This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. So we're talking about my church is kind of a big deal. My church is kind of a big deal. And you know what? I love this because, you know, I believe that the church, and I want to say this first of all before I get into the message. Uh, I want to thank Stephen. He's in Kid Life teaching this morning because the Kid Life pastor is, uh, had to be out this morning. So Stephen's teaching back there. Stephen, my son that led worship this morning. Uh, he opened, kicked off this series last week on my church is kind of a big deal. I'll tell you what, if you haven't, if you were out and didn't uh, hear his message, you need to go into uh, our website and listen to the podcast there. Excellent message uh, to kick off this series on my church is a big deal. Stephen's so passionate about the local church and, you know, and I'm so proud of that. Uh, I had to be in South Haven, Mississippi. Uh, yes, you can get there from here. Uh, you just have to go somewhere else to get there. Uh, but uh, South Haven, Mississippi, a beautiful little bedroom community just south of Memphis, Tennessee. Most of the people in the church work in, in Memphis. But, uh, you know, that's one of our campuses there. It's a part of Christian Life Church. It is Christian Life Church in South Haven, uh, just like the other churches. But um, it, I had to go in last week, and we installed a new pastor there. So we have a new pastor, Guy and Angie Sheffield, are the new pastors there at our South Haven campus. Uh, But anyway, uh, and I appreciate Stephen opening up this series on my church is kind of a big deal. You know, I love the local church. I love the local church. When I got got saved in a local church, uh, I had never served God uh, at 24 years of age. Jesus, I met Jesus Christ in a local church, in a service. It was just a little church, and uh, I say little, it's probably, you know, maybe a couple hundred people uh, total, kids and everything, but uh, it was, you know, I don't even know if it was that big, but anyway, it was uh, uh, mainly filled with older people. Uh, There wasn't really anybody my age. I was 24, and Denise was... uh, almost about, she was 20, and we went to the church. <clears throat> Denise was a Christian. She'd gotten saved at a, a little, as a little child in a Baptist church and was raised Baptist. And, and uh, I went to the other way. I didn't go to church coming up. I did everything else. And, uh, <clears throat> but at 24, I met Jesus Christ, and he turned my life around. In a local church, I remember that uh, I'd go out. I thought, man, I got to tell everybody about this. So I'd go out telling people, and I thought, you know, it's kind of like you find a gold mine that has got enough gold for everybody in the world. So not just enough for you, for everybody. And so I thought, man, everybody needs to know about this. And so I'd go out telling people about Jesus. But hearing uh, if they wanted after, and I was real passionate and sharing about what he did in my life. And they'd say, well, I need him too. And I'd say, okay, you got to go to this church with me. Because I thought, I knew I met him there. So I knew he was there. I didn't know you could meet him anywhere. And so I told him they had to go. And I'd even show him where I was. I was, I was right there. <laughs> I was right there. I know it'll work if you get there. And so, anyway, I just, you know, but I love the local church. And I started bringing people. Well, 
It wasn't long before I filled two pews of people that I had brought to the church to get saved. Well, the pastor, he got so excited. I only had, uh, I didn't have, you know, any church clothes. And there they wore suits. And I didn't have a suit. Uh, and so, and couldn't afford one. So they gave me some money. And I got a sport coat uh, for like $15. I got, bought a pair of pants for $10. And my wife got me a pair of shoes on sale for $5. The only problem is they were red, white, and blue. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And do you remember back in the 70s, they had the, the stacks? You know what I mean by stacks? If you'd never wore stacks, you ain't cool. And the Bible says, let the ignorant be ignorant still. My hair was long and I had my stacks going, and so I was cool, you know. And, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> but uh, uh, red, white, and blue shoes. And man, you couldn't miss me when I came into church. Because every Sunday, I wore those red, white, and blue shoes. And those same pants and that same coat and the same shirt and the same tie. So I was in uniform all the time. But you know what? I loved my church. I remember when they asked me to usher. Now get this. I had just given my heart to Jesus. And I knew more about sinning than I did about Christianity. Man, I knew sinning backwards and forward. But I didn't know about Christianity. But, you know, and man, you know, things would slip out of my mouth that ought not to be said. But, hey, it's the way I talk. You know, and so uh, uh, I didn't know that. You know, I was having to learn, and I'm glad that nobody said you shouldn't say that. I'm glad that nobody got on to me. They let the Holy Spirit let Jesus talk to me. And here was the amazing thing. I remember something come out of my mouth. Well, you know, it came out of my mouth all the time. There wasn't a word I didn't say. And then all of a sudden, when it would, all of a sudden, I felt something inside, and a little voice would say, "That's not you anymore." Do you hear me? Say, that's not you anymore. And you know what I'd do? I'd say, wow, that's right. And so, I'd, you know, I started changing. And it was not people changing me. It was the Holy Spirit. If man had tried to change me, I would have left. Yeah. Or worse, I would have become like them. Right. It had been better that I left. Okay? But I remember, joy, man, just Jesus was changing me. All this... And I remember telling the Lord, I said, I love your church. I love the church. Now, I hadn't been in it long enough to know all about it. And to discover later that, yeah, in its real pure form, it is all about Jesus And, the, and those who are far from God discovering Him. That's what it's all about. It's about God going out and using His church to build a family. To bring those who are away from the family that, are, that He wants to draw into the family and bring them back home. You know, listen, when I gave my heart to the Lord, when I was, met Jesus... I'll never forget what God said. I, had, I was standing there. I didn't want to, you know, I was, you know, just kind of fighting it, you know, because there was a war going on inside me. But I remember what broke it was I heard these words inside me. 
You know, I'm glad God still has a voice. And every one of you have heard it, you just don't realize it. Because lots of times it sounds like us or maybe our conscience. And I heard these words inside me. It said, come on home, son. Wow. Come to him. And when you do, you're coming home. Because see, we were all made for God. We all, God made us all. And they called me son. Well, I didn't, you know, I thought that's what church was all about. Well, it didn't take long before I realized, found out that those people in that church, they didn't like us young people coming in. They didn't like us sitting in their spot. Their, that was their spot. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Jesus died for them to have a certain spot in the church. I didn't know that they, I had to dress to their approval. I didn't know that the music had to be the way they wanted it. I didn't know that the preacher had to preach what they wanted. See, it took me a while to learn how church is. At first, I thought it was about Jesus and, and people that are far from him, finding him and becoming more part of the family. But then I, as I got into church, and, and I loved it at first, but then... I've realized, man, this is a clique. It's a club. You've got to have the right handshake, the right, uh, you've got to have the, uh, like the right things, and everything's about the people in the club. The members, it's about them, and it's their club. Because they put their money in it, it's their club, country club. And so, now don't, you may not like this, but after a while I told the Lord, I said, when God dealt with my heart about ministry, I said, fine, but I said, don't ever ask me to pastor. I said, because I want to reach people that don't know you. I don't want to fool with those that it's all about them. And God, you're great, but your kids are meanest snakes. They're the meanest people I've ever met. God, I had better friends in a bar or doing drugs in some back room of a house than I've met a lot in church. I've had people in church tell me, now, I'm a fruit inspector and I'm watching your life. Well, you're, I didn't know you hung on the cross for me. And so I told God this. I said, I, God, I'll go to church when I'm not, and I'll preach in church. It's some, but I said, I want to reach the lost. I want to reach those that are far from you. I want to go find people like I was. Because God, you changed my life and that's what it's all about. And I want others to know you. I want to run out to the desert with water. I don't want to run to the ocean with water. And so I told him, I said, I'll never pastor. Don't ever ask me to pastor. I love you, but I tell you what, God, it's going to be a miracle if people make it to heaven through your church. Because it's all about them. Everything they do is about them. They talk about reaching those that are far from you, but everything they do is about them. Because I'm telling you what, we got raked over the coals because we were different. We were young people. All of a sudden, young people. I'm bringing in young people. I didn't bring in old people. I brought in young people. I didn't. The only people I knew my age were my parents. <laughs> the age I am now, you know. And so, the only old people I knew. So, I was bringing in young people. Well, I tell you what, they're looking at me like, man, 
They'd say, let's just meet in our house. Let's just get together over there. And so we'd get together. And I discovered everything in the church was about the church. It wasn't about Jesus. Oh, they preached Jesus. They loved Jesus. And they talked about Jesus. And they'd, they'd jump up and shout for Jesus and everything. But when it was about what Jesus died for, they kind of acted like it was all about them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and the saints will be comfortable and the church will be the way they want it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was reading Church 316. I'm sorry. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Now listen, if you get mad because you feel like I'm talking about you, then you need to listen. Because if you get mad, I am talking about you. All right? And you need to hear this. Because I'm going to tell you what. You and I are going to stand before God and give an account, not for how we made the church comfortable and fit what we wanted, but how we fulfilled His purpose. Now let's look at some things. Walt Disney was probably the greatest visionary of the 20th century. I love Walt Disney. Uh, We lived in Central Florida before there was a Disney World and when they first opened Disney World. Walt Disney saw things that others never imagined. His dreams have entertained millions of people from around the globe. Many of you in here have been to Disney World. All of his dreams... Of all of his dreams, though, Walt's greatest dream was Epcot, uh, which stands for uh, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. That's why Epcot is all caps, E-P-C-O-T, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. As a matter of fact, did you know that Walt Disney did not want to build a theme park in Central Florida? He wanted to build a living community, a city called Epcot. But the officials, the county and state officials and city officials wouldn't, and he bought up all this land, but they would not give him building permits for his city without him first building a theme park. So he built the Magic Kingdom just to satisfy their uh, requirements. But Disney World, the theme park, was not what he wanted there. He already had Disneyland, which I was, as a kid, went to Disneyland. And, uh, but he had to put Disney World there to be able to build what he wanted to build, which was Epcot. Now let me explain to you. Here's what he said about Epcot. These are the words of Walt Disney. Epcot will be an experimental prototype community of tomorrow that will take its cue from the new ideas and technologies that are emerging. It will be a community of tomorrow that will never be completed, but will always be introducing and testing and demonstrating new materials and systems. It will never cease to be a living blueprint of the future where people actually live a life they can't find anywhere else in the world. I want to move there. Walt Disney dreamed 
of people living together, listen to this, in an ever-evolving community that would be an example to the entire world of what is possible in life. Man, I'm signing up. I'd love to be a part of something that shows the world this is what is possible. Walt Disney's dream never became reality. Here's why. He died. And they, he, they were, before they were able to start Epcot, he passed away. And so his executives, after his death, they sat down and here's what happens. They looked at the budget, the numbers, and the work that would be required. The, the finances and work that would be required. And they said, too much. And so they decided they would not build such a community. Now listen what they did. Instead of a living community, they built a showcase of tomorrow. They made that choice. If you go to Epcot, it is the, most, the least visited. It is the least favorite. It is a sterile, unfun place. Has some restaurants from Morocco and France and England and different places. You know, kind of like that. But Epcot is really the most decaying part. Everything else is alive and vibrant. It's dead. I'll tell you what. There's nothing as dead as something that is supposed to be a vision. But it's they are not pursuing the vision. The deadest thing on earth is something that exists but not for its purpose. Because there's no life in it. A marriage, a business, a church. Instead of a dynamic living community, it is a stagnant relic. Now here's the thing. Jesus also has a dream. Jesus dreamed of a living... Hear me. Jesus dreamed of a living community of people called his church, the church. He said, I will build my church. He was very specific about it. He called it his. I own this thing. It's mine. I bought it with my blood. He dreamed of a place where people could experience a living community unlike anything else in the world. He dreamed of a community of people that would show the world this is what is possible in life. When you live for God. He dreamed of a community of people that demonstrated what the father's, his father's kingdom is really like. Not when we get in the sweet by and by. Yes, that's true. But even right here, God is at work and present among us. Jesus dreamed of a band of brothers and sisters devoted to one another and to the mission of his father. To draw, which is to draw out from every nation, every tribe, every people on earth, a people who belong to God. See, that ignites something in me. Even as I read that, something stirs down inside me. It's because that's what I committed my life to when I, gave, when I said yes to the call of God. 
I didn't commit to babysitting unhappy saints. But man decided it was too... Listen. Man has decided that this dream of Jesus is too costly and requires too much work and it will cause us to sacrifice our own desires for His. So rather than building shelters for sinners, we have built showcases for saints. This this dream died. But the dream of Jesus still is living and it is vibrant. And this is His dream. It's what I have purposed in the beginning to give my life to. And it's what I'm going to give the rest of my life to. And will not back down from it. And I will not vary from it. Because when I stand before Him, He's the one that one day I'll be before instead of you. And for all other people, I'll be before Him. And I want to hear Him say, Well done, Steve. You did a good job, son. I'm so proud of you. I'm going to tell you what. If I had a shirt on, my buttons would pop off. I don't know. I'll be... You better watch out because probably I'm going to do somersaults and I'll act crazy. I'll be so excited. Years ago, an ad came, campaign for, I remember it, it was cute. I liked it. An ad campaign came out for a now defunct automobile company that, uh, with a now famous line, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Now, the idea was is that the Oldsmobile car had kind of slipped in sales and it was... It was mundane, boring, unattractive, and sales had gone down on it. So they said, what are we going to do? And they said, well, we're going to redesign a little bit, but we got to stir up some interest and tell people, this is not the way the Oldsmobile used to be. If you get in this one, you buy this one, you drive this car, you're not driving your father's Oldsmobile. If we are to follow the dream of Jesus for his church, then the church We are. The church we become. Christian Life Church, the church we become, cannot be the church we have known. And that's where I'm having the biggest rub. That's why people are leaving. People leave and they take their money with them. And I'm getting, you know, people are leaving because of this. We need to change and we need to go back. Well, my friend, God didn't put reverse in me. And if we go back, we're going without me because I'm going forward. There is a generation that is lost. There is a generation away from God and God's after them. And it has nothing to do with what you and I want. It has to do with what he wants. And we're either going to get in line with what he wants or we can build churches that are all about us, but one day we'll stand before God. The church Jesus is building now is very different from the church I knew 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I say, thank God. That church was great in its day, but it's not the church of today. Listen, all of the churches, and I spoke about, I used to preach in them. The churches I knew are shrinking in attendance and are no longer relevant to a young generation. When the young generation comes in, they hear stuff they don't relate to, music they cannot 
connect to. They hear words they don't understand. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah, brother. Why is he talking to his brother? Why don't he he just talk to us? Amen. Glory. I felt that. Did you feel that? Hallelujah. They don't relate to it. They don't relate to all the Christianese. It's a foreign language. They feel like they've been thrown into a foreign country. And they realize, I'm an outsider. This is about the ones that are here. It's about them. And this church belongs to them. It's their church. And so they leave. The churches I knew, that I'm talking about churches that were running thousands. Do you know this church ran thousands? But you know what? We lost our relevance. You can blame anything you want. You can say, music is the problem. Dress is the problem. Attitude. You can talk about anything you want. But I'm going to tell you what. God is the one in charge. And God is a master farmer. And he's not, going to put, he's not going to put grain in a barn that's going to spoil the grain. And so God is looking for churches that are relevant. He's, God is finding those that are relevant. If you and I do not awaken to this reality and where we are right now in Christian Life Church and in the church in America, then we cannot follow the dream of Jesus. Let me give you an alarming statistic. Did you know that less people are in church in America today than last Sunday? Well, there were less people in church that Sunday than they were the Sunday before. There will be less people in church next Sunday than this Sunday. This statistic, this reality, this fact has been going on now for several years. After 9-11, there was a peak in church attendance. It rose and lasted for about, about a month or two. And then it started back down because it had been declining in America up to that moment. And there was a peak and all of a sudden, everybody, pastors thought, man, praise God, revival's back. It lasted about a month or two and then attendance started waning again. 3,600 churches every year closed their doors. Go under. I'm talking about churches that were running thousands Not just churches that were running two or three or 50. Closing the doors. Why? Because people do not see the church in America as relevant anymore. It is built around a generation that has grown older. If the current trend, this is a fact, listen to me. If this isn't as alarming to you, then maybe I'm in the wrong place. Because this bothers me. Because it's your country. You say, well, what good is the church? That's what they're saying. If the current trend continues by 2050, less than 12% of Americans will ever attend church. We have foreign missionaries in countries that have more Christians than that. Less than 12% will attend church ever anywhere. If the church in America were a business, it would be forced to take a long, hard look at what it is doing and make drastic changes or die. The problem is, it's not. If the average church in America appeared on Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows, they would not get funding due to an outdated business model, lack of relevance in the marketplace, and zero productivity or decline in productivity. 
So what is our problem? It is more than music, lighting, and coffee in the auditorium. We can have, I'll tell you what, I love these guys in this band. Not just how they play, I love them. I'm so proud of them. I'm proud to know them and have them apart. No, that's not, I wasn't trying to get, I sincerely do. You guys, I like. And I'm going to tell you what, they're giving their heart, they're doing it, they're loving this. And they're trying, and Stephen had a dream, a vision, and he came to me and asked me, he said, Dad, this is my vision for the music and where I want the church to go. And he said, will you allow me? And I said, absolutely, son, because you're in touch with the next generation, I'm not. And I said, I'll be a father. I'll be a father in the house. But you be a, uh, uh, the uh, go-getter. You be the one that. Uh, and so he, you know, this, thus we have the band and what's going on and all these changes. And I know most people don't like the changes. Listen, I had to change. I've had to change. And I'm not going to tell you the struggles I've been through to to be willing to make the changes. But our problem is deeper than methods. It is at the very heart of who we are and why we exist. It is something the church in America and Christian Life Church has lost. Our guiding light. Something the early church fathers call the Missio Dei, which is Latin for the mission of God. The mission of God. They understood that the church's one purpose on earth is to be God's instrument and witness to the world of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's all they, that was their one purpose, their one passion. They believed that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. They believed that was the heartbeat and the focus and the purpose of the church. They built their churches around this one focus. They saw the purpose and function of the church as simple and clear and everything they did was born out of. It was the incubator. It was the birthing chamber. It was the mother of everything they did in church. If they came, if the early church fathers came into the average church in America with the programs that the average church has, they would think, okay, this is fine. I'm glad you took me to this club you have, but take me to the church. Because this is about them. Take me to where it's about him and Those that don't know him. Where is that place? Because of their singleness of eye, the message of Jesus spread like wildfire around the globe. You cannot have that passion in you. You cannot be a church that is filled and focused, filled with that passion for that, and is focused on that passion. You cannot be that church and not grow. You can't. Yes, you'll run off a lot of saints, but you'll reach a lot of people that are far from God. We must get back to our purpose. We are not here to prove how holy we are. We're not here to provide a retirement home for saints. We are not here to prove our doctrines are right. 
We're not here to have church the way we like it. We're not here to, uh, to any of this. Let's don't complicate this. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And that is why we are here. That's all. That's all. That's it. That's it right there. We're here to clearly articulate the message of Jesus Christ to the world. We are here. Hear me. Christian Life Church is here so those who are far from God can discover the life of Jesus Christ and then they can go tell others. Listen to these words in the Gospel of Mark. These are the words of Jesus. Some of the last words he spoke on earth after he was resurrected from the dead, after he died, after he paid the price. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, to everyone, everywhere. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked with them. We have been focused as Christians on growing in the Lord when our focus should be going for the Lord. I absolutely know we're to grow in Christ. But what good is it to grow if we're not going to go? What is it? Why? Why? That's training a pilot who will never get in a plane. It's training a boat captain who will never get in the water in a boat. That's training a mathematician who will never add two numbers. Why? What's the purpose of it? The training is for a purpose. Not so any of us will know more. So we can do more. Doing is what it's all about. It's all about going and doing. It is not about us getting so close to the Lord that we love Him more. If you want to love Him more, go tell somebody about Him. You know, I've had people say, we don't worship anymore. We need to worship. This church needs to worship. You know what the greatest worship to God is? Go do His will. Go tell somebody about Jesus. I don't find in the scriptures where that, you know, what they call, what we call worship being what they called worship. We've made it what we want. We've made the songs because they, I like those. I can worship to those. Well, I remember some boys that worshiped in a fiery furnace. There was nobody playing music for them, but they were able to worship. What's the deal? I mean, okay, we can't, well, that's not my flavor. Well, since when does a flavor matter? This is not about us. I'm telling you. This is about what God wants. I'm looking for some people who say, I want to give my life. I want to give my life for the cause of Christ. Not talk about it. Not pray about it. Not sing about it. Not get excited about it. But actually do it. Actually, do it. Now look at me. Somewhere. Here, somewhere. Somewhere. I'm going to find a group of people that want to be passionate or willing to be passionate where they're here. And if they don't want it here, then what can I do? 
But I've got to find somewhere, and you ought to find somewhere. You ought to be in a church, and hopefully we will be that church. You ought to be in a church that is almost forcing you to get out and tell somebody. That will not allow you to come week after week and never touch another person. Listen, I filled pews, several pews of people. And it was one of those churches that, you know, had just a center around. And I filled pews. And I couldn't find books in the Bible. I wouldn't even take my Bible out to witness to people because if they asked me, said, show me in the Bible, well, that's the end of the story because I'd be there all night trying to find where it is in the Bible. But you know what? I had a passion because I knew what God had done in my life and had a passion. I've got to go tell somebody. Because if I waited around until I could dot all my I's and cross all my T's, there was going to be people that would never hear and they'd go to hell. They were going to get killed because I had friends that were dying. I had friends that were shooting up. They shot up every vein they had. They were shooting in their hands and feet and other places. And they'd shoot up until they got, and somebody would say, man, he got the real stuff. And I knew what they meant. He overdosed. See, I couldn't wait around because my friends were perishing pretty quickly. And so I couldn't wait for a college degree. I couldn't wait for, to become Christianized. I'd gotten saved. I'd go tell. I'm looking for some people. Who are willing to do that. Jesus said. Go. Go and tell them. And if you do. Now listen. We've misunderstood the presence of God. I think a lot of what we call the presence of God is our soul getting thrilled and feeling things that makes us feel like we had the presence of God. And we say, well, we just don't feel the presence of God anymore. Well, then explain to me what he said when God is omnipresent. Is he not here then? Well, David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Somebody help me out here. Help me out. I mean, okay, I'm talking about logic and reality, not Christian logic and reality. See, Christians tend to live in an alternate universe. And we build our universe over there and we protect ourselves from the uncleanness. That's why they condemned Jesus, because he'd go have lunch, not with the, Christ, with the uh, religious people. He ate with the sinners. Well, they were getting drunk, and they were doing it. He wasn't, but they were, he was sitting there with them, because he wasn't there to try to reach. He said, I didn't come to reach the righteous. And I'm making a declaration. I'm not building a church for righteous people. I'm building a church for those who are far from God. And if we don't fill this place with a lot of people that are lost, that don't know anything about God, then I've missed the boat. I'm wrong. 
Because I want more sinners than saints in the house so we can start reaping a harvest. Jesus did not say, if you stand in with your hands raised and sing the right song, my presence will be with you. But we say that. If you play the right music, suddenly I'll feel the presence of God. That's us. And it has nothing, nowhere in that book, the Bible. It is our. That's why I'm telling you. It has nothing to do with God. It has to do with your own soul. Watchman Nee, who was a great Chinese theologian, said, The deception of Christians is the soulish realm. Because it makes them believe they have... they confuses them about the presence of God. And we get into soulish things saying that's the presence of God. Let me tell you where Jesus did say His presence. You want the presence of God? I do. I want the presence of God. Now here's where He said He would put His presence. It's when you and I are going to the world. When we leave this building and we go out of here this day and we go out into the marketplace of life and we care about those people that are working next to us see and I want us working where they are I want us walking and talking and living where they are I want us to build our camp pitch our tent in the land of the wicked I don't want to build a church at the gates of heaven I want to build a church at the gates of hell Jesus said, if you will go, he said, I will go with you. My presence will be with you. I'm telling you, you want to feel the presence of God? Get out there and start telling people. Like Bill Wilson out there preaching on the streets of New York in the worst part of New York City. Over about 20,000 young kids. And he's been stabbed a bunch of times. He's been shot a bunch of times. He He has no more than $200 worth of furnishings in his house. Because he said, my house gets broken into almost every week. And they take everything I have. And somebody said, well, why don't you live somewhere else? He said, I have to live among the people. He said, I want to reach them. I want to touch them. I want to change them. Where is that heart? You know what we do? We say, wow, thank God for Bill Wilson. Well, Bill Wilson is the church that Jesus is after. Let's be that church. I'm telling you, there's enough people in Montgomery that are far from God. That if you and I will quit getting bothered about how CLC is not the way we want it. And just turn our face towards a hurting, broken world indeed. And go to them. And let Jesus do what he wants to in this house. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.